Well, that was an absolutely epic fail. <laughs> uh, I was attempting to live stream a my explanation of Man in the High Castle, and I was having a lot of trouble flipping between screens and finding my clips and staying on topic. Seven minutes in, and I said absolutely goddamn nothing. And then I got this warning from YouTube saying, it's just like, your stream is containing copyrighted images and audio, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, are you kidding me? So I guess I have to script that one and produce it at some point. Obviously, live streaming that is not going to have to figure out a way to live stream. I need to figure out a way to do things like that. That's the kind of thing I'd like to do live is have some clips and things in the background and just talk my way over it. It's something I'd like to practice. It's something I'd like to work on. But I mean, that is you have to you have to attempt things and you're going to have epic failures and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to say stupid stuff if you're putting yourself out there. And yeah, that's just the way life goes. No mud, no lotus, as Thich Nhat Hanh says. So I had sort of semi-promised myself I was going to live stream. I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. I didn't post it. So unlikely that uh, anybody's going to show up kind of thing. That's fine. However, that works. I don't know why I can't can't seem to uh, anyway there we go that's better all right uh, well that was the thing um, so my topics for the day <laughs> was so uh, well let's uh, let, let's just I'll change up how I was going to talk about some of this stuff because in order to talk about the ending of man in the high castle, I have to talk about my, I have to talk about ego. I have to talk about my dual ego hypothesis. I call it. And I have to talk about archetypes because without those three things, the ending makes no sense. So I won't talk about the ending at this point. Maybe. I don't know. So my thoughts on ego uh, are somewhat different from kind of, shall we say, the mainstream self-help ideas of what ego is or is not. And I, I have seen some people, uh, like in comments on things who who definitely share my point of view it's it's not a new idea by any means there is nothing new under the sun as the saying goes we're all repeating the same information we're just talking about it in different ways we all speak different languages uh we all have different under we all have different ways of interpreting the information things like that so but if you go to say like i said mainstream kind of self-help people like say Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle believes that the ego should be done away with entirely. I do not believe that's good. I believe that we have to have an ego. We have to. As I've said a few times, the ego is how we deal with the world. And that was even the Freudian 
view of it and the Jungian view of it. Ego is how we process the information coming in from the outside world, but it also keeps information from, it's a filter. The ego is a filter. It filters the information coming in from the world and it filters the information going out from us. And the problem is that the way that our societies, societies, all of them kind of run the same way, is that we don't teach people to program their own ego. The ego is programming. That's what it is. And we need to learn to program that ego from within because the ego gets programmed from without all the time. All the time is what's happening. And if you don't have an ego, then it's really bad because all of the information coming in is completely unfiltered. You don't know how to process it properly. And then everything that you feel and think or whatever gets also then thrown out at the rest of the world. And I feel this is where a lot of millennials and uh, Gen Z, uh, I, I believe that there's a lot of young people out there running around without an ego, basically. And this is why there's so much anxiety and fear and mental health issues. Because all of this information, an exorbitant amount of information, is completely, uh, yeah, coming in unfiltered and unchecked. And then everything they're thinking and feeling is coming out and they're attacking the world because they feel attacked. Kind of thing. That's, that's my, that's my opinion and feelings on that. So this is why I say we have to have an ego, but we don't want one that's programmed from the outside world, which is what most of us have. Most of us, I mean, I've been spending the last 14 years deprogramming my ego and building my own ego. That's really when I left Christianity and kind of started my life over pretty much literally, <laughs> you know, moving into a small apartment on my own with nothing as if I was just fresh out of my parents' house kind of thing. Right. Like that's so this is where my dual ego hypothesis comes in. I think we don't have one ego. I think we have two. And they're both programmed from the outside world. And I keep seeing these two egos in every single movie that I watch. And I've talked about it. I've hinted at it in a number of my videos, but I haven't really expressed. Um, and this is why I wanted to talk about Man in the High Castle, but got flagged for copyright stuff. So I'll have to, like I said, produce an episode properly for that. So my dual ego hypothesis is, is that the two egos that we have is one is a survival ego. It's all about survival. It's all about the body staying alive and staying safe. That's, that's what that is. And that is biologically programmed into us. And that one, that one's probably the hardest to break in some ways, and it, maybe it shouldn't be broken necessarily, but it needs to be put in its place properly. Let's put it that way. Uh, but those are the things. I mean, yeah, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to eat, we need to procreate, and we need to have safe places to be. 
and that that is what that survival ego is some people might call it the inner beast or something like that uh, there are other teachers out there who who refer to the to the beast uh, within us and that's what that's what that would be the second ego <laughs> can do can i <laughs> the second ego second 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 the second ego is what I call the duty ego, D-U-T-Y, duty. It is our, that one is programmed into us generally by our parents, or in my case, it was programmed into me by my religion, partially by my parents too. So this is our, uh, so really good examples. Okay, of survival ego and duty ego to make sense, hopefully, is in the movie Man of Steel. So, duty ego, I've talked about General Zod in my nihilism video. General Zod identifies all of his identity is in protecting Krypton and Kryptonian ways. That is, that is his, uh, that, that is his duty. That, that is completely his focus. That is everything that he is and everything that he thinks that he is, too. So that is what I call duty ego. And so it's, it's basically identifying with what you do or what you are. If you're, like I said, I was part of evangelical Christianity. I was a Pentecostal Christian. I was a Christian. That is my identity. That is who I am. That is a and I have a duty to that religion and a duty to God and to the people in it. That, that was the identity that I had. And so, as I said, in Man of Steel, that's General Zod. Survival ego in Man of Steel is, uh, is Clark Kent's earthly father, Jonathan Kent. Jonathan Kent wants Clark to stay safe. He wants him to be, stay safe. Don't show the world who you are. Don't do anything that's outside the norm. Don't do anything that's going to upset the balance. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay hidden. Keep yourself repressed down. Don't do anything that makes people take notice of you. And then it's like, oh, then we're in scary places. That is survival ego at its core. And really, a lot of us do that, too. It's like, and they kind of go hand in hand, because like, if you have certain duties, then the survival ego gets used to that, right? That programming. It gets very, very used to being just in that zone, in that duty. It's like, okay, survival ego basically takes, it, it's very comfortable with schedules and norms. And it's just like, okay, so we do this, we, we do this thing and we always do this thing. And if we do anything outside of this, that's not safe. So we don't do anything outside of that. So then if we, uh, it, it and and then and then the 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 survival ego also it, it just wants to be in its little bubble too it doesn't want to go outside of that 
it it just says okay um so 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 we live in this little town and we'll just we'll, we we go here we do this all the time we do this all the time i go and do my job all the time everything is in boxes and makes sense to the survival ego everything is simplicity right keep things as simple as possible the simpler things are the easier it is to survive when things get difficult and complex then it's really hard to 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 keep the body safe to survive it's like if anything outside the norm happens and it's like, I don't know what's going on and I'm freaked out. That's what the survival ego does all the time. It just, it wants to keep us in this little cocoon. And as I said, the duty ego, the duty ego can override that quite easily, especially if you're a zealot like Zod was, like I said, uh, because then you'll do anything to hell with everybody else. You'll do anything to keep that identity intact. This is why this is why Zod at the end of Man of Steel, when he has that identity ripped away from him, when Krypton is gone and all the people of Krypton are gone, he has his identity ripped away from him. And then who are you? So what does he do? Then he doesn't care about anything or anybody else at that point. You've taken my identity from me, so I'm going to take yours away from you. Uh, yeah, so that's where duty ego creates some really harsh zealots. Now, as I've said, like I said, we have to have an ego. You can't get rid of these two things. You can only put them in their place properly. And the only way to do it properly is to build your ego from the inside out. You have to build your ego yourself. And this is something that I'm seeing in a lot of different shows. I mean, that was the whole point of the She-Ra cartoon. Now, duty ego, duty ego in that was Hordak. Hordak was duty ego, no question. He was trying to please something outside of himself. He was trying to please his version of God, more or less, uh, Horde Prime. So survival ego was... Uh, uh, Glimmer's mother, Angela, survival ego. She was trying to keep her daughter safe all the time from everything. And so what is the, the whole point of that show really then is, my opinion, Catra's the main character. She's the one who is caught in that, in, in, in that duty ego. And she's the one who's really trying to figure out who the hell she is and trying to allow herself to live in the world the way that she wants to and not what's expected of her. So the whole thing, and so every princess is an aspect of, say, her personality or our personality. And this is where we talk about archetypes because the ego is ultimately an archetype. It's an archetype just like anything else. So what's an archetype then? Simplest explanation is that the arch an archetype is a perfect example of one particular emotion or aspect of living. And every archetype is one dimensional for the most part. This is where uh, this is this is where heroes are interesting because the hero is an archetype. But then, so let's take Thor from the original Thor, the first Thor movie from, what was that? I can't even remember now. 
2010, whatever it was, 2011. Uh, so let's take Thor. At the beginning of the movie, Thor is an archetype character. And what is he? He's a warrior. And that's it. And if we want to see, like, and he's identified with that warrior. That's who he is, right? Like, that's his duty to protect Asgard. So that's duty ego. Let's call it the warrior. And Thor is just that. He's got no other faucets to his personality. He's a warrior and that's it. And so that is an archetype. And that's the thing with the hero. The absolute purpose of the hero's journey is to become multidimensional, is to become more than one dimensional. If you're one dimensional, you have one aspect of your personality. This is who you are. This is what you do. And you're boring. So the hero's journey is ultimately about becoming multidimensional and adding in all these other personality traits and concepts into your being. So you take all of these other archetypes and you add them into yourself. This is why when you get to Thor Ragnarok, he's got this plethora of people around him. He's not just the warrior. Then he's got, you know, he's got Hulk there. He's got Valkyrie. He's got Loki. He has uh, Heimdall uh, and Kord. And like, and so each one of those is technically a one-dimensional aspect. Loki's very complex. I understand that. And Banner and Hulk Banner is a dual identity. I said he's anger, uh, he's intellect, and with his cloak of rage is what I've said. But very, in, in, in regards to Thor himself, very one-dimensional aspects, but he's starting to integrate all of those things into himself. And he's become very multi-dimensional as a character and as a person. And this is, that in and of itself is ego building. That's building your own internal ego and not letting that survival ego and duty ego rule your life. And because then you're not yourself. You're not yourself. You're somebody else because your programming is coming from outside all the time. And I, and I understand survival ego is biological. So is that inside? Is that outside? Well, it comes from outside because, because all that survival ego is doing is filtering is taking the information from outside and saying, this is, this is okay. This is not safe. So we'll push this away and we'll, we'll hang on to this and we'll do this. That's, that's what that survival ego is doing constantly all the time. Duty ego kind of does the same thing. This fits in our little box. This is okay. Uh, this does not fit in our box. This is not okay. We push that away. And really, I mean, we can take this, we can take this and extend this, this idea of the dual, this dual ego hypothesis. We can extend this into politics. I don't want to get political, but I'm just saying left and right in general. Right is very duty oriented, very boxed up, very left is very survival oriented. Let's keep everybody safe, right? I mean, ultimately, ultimately, they're both the same thing <laughs> because you come around, you start left or right, you come around full circle, boom, you end up at you, you end up at the same same spot. So you you end up with tyranny, or you end up with the best best solution we can have is have a centrist centrist view, which balances both. But that's strictly my opinion, and that's politics, and I'll stay out of that. But it's <laughs> but I mean, but this dual ego hypothesis fits is all I'm saying. Uh, 
So was that enough on archetypes? I guess it was. So I said, well, basically, like I said, an archetype is a one-dimensional aspect of, say, your personality. Let's let's put it that way. Or it's the perfect example of one particular thing. But if it's a perfect example, as I've said, perfection breeds stagnation. So a perfect example is something you don't want to necessarily be. So you need to add in all these other things to keep things interesting. <laughs> One-dimensional characters in stories are very boring. They're very boring. Uh, I mean, sometimes they can be very cool when they come in and, you know, save the day. And it's just like, oh, that's who that, oh, what, what do we want to know more about that person? Well, who knows? But like I said, yeah, Thor is the best example I have of a character that goes through where you really see that transformation happen. I mean, you could say the same thing about Lightning McQueen and Cars. He's that very, very one-dimensional, egocentric uh, car, <laughs> not person, uh, at, in, in the first movie. And he does go through these transformations. Well, really, I, I honestly have I've never finished watching the second movie. I just like the third one because he becomes the mentor at that point. And that's like a, that's a major transformation to go from the egocentric star to then the elderly mentor. At that point, that's a that's a major transformation, huge steps made in in personality when that comes. And you don't get there by being egocentric. You don't get there without reprogramming yourself to some extent. Okay, I have waxed on long enough about that. So the whole reason I wanted to talk about those things, I was going to cover those ideas in... Uh, and talking about the ending to Man in the High Castle, should I? Well, you know what? Uh, so the whole point of Man in the High Castle is that we do have that duty ego and we have that survival ego in, in that show. And so on the German side, we have John Smith. That's survival ego. John Smith is all about survival. That's all he's ever cared about. Him surviving and his family surviving and staying safe. And that just slowly starts to unravel. The, and the thing is, is that the more you try to stay safe, the more you try to make life make sense, the more you try to force life to make sense, the more it's not going to. And, and the same thing happens. You, you try to live your life in a in just this little safe bubble. It's Something's going to break it at some point. Something's going to not make sense. Something's going to... And then how do you react? How do you react? When you're not... When, when you haven't built the capabilities to you know be strong and to deal with uh to be flexible really it's not about being strong it's about being flexible uh so when hard things come your way how do you deal with them when you're not flexible when you're completely rigid and inflexible then the tiniest thing comes along and it sends your life into chaos and everybody else might be like it's like that 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 that's your problem that really that's your problem it's like well i've never faced anything like this it's like okay and there's a lot of people out there like that that can't face the tiniest of issues as i was saying john smith in man in the high castle is survival ego he's a survivalist and that's his primary focus so then we have to go over to the Japanese Empire side of the United States there. And Inspector Kido is the duty ego. His 
his passion and his absolute dedication to the empire and to justice, their version of justice, is completely unwavering. And his total identity is wrapped up in that, in his duty, in what he does. All of that. And what is Juliana Crane? She's uh, so on Keto's side, what starts to break that duty ego for him is his son. His love for his son starts to break that for him. And by the end of it, he's working for the mob, which is for like that is a complete that is an ego death like for him because his sense of identity has been completely destroyed by that time. So that's an ego death. And John Smith dies. That's an ego death. Survival ego dead. So then Juliana Crane and uh, I think his name Hawthorne something. Anyway, the man in the high castle himself. There are in this tunnel at the end and this tunnel is uh, a dimensional way of traveling to other worlds. But what happens is that the gate opens up all on its own and all these people start coming out of it into their world. And it's like, what is going on here? Well, if you look at all the people that are coming in from the other world, they're people of color. They're people of just different races and a variety of different walks of life. They're people that John Smith had eradicated. And, well, and who Keto had eradicated. John Smith and Keto had eradicated these people. So these people are all archetypes that have been eradicated by the survival ego and the duty ego. And what it is, is that now they're opened up and they're allowed to come back in, into your, into your life. So that is really what the ending of that means is that, is that now, now that these two egos have been destroyed and there's a new ego built up with Juliana Crane as the heroine at its center, multi-dimensional again so now it's given the opportunity for a far greater existence because we're not closed off to all these other possibilities and really that's the first thing that sends juliana on on her quest in the first place is just this acknowledgement that it's like oh you mean there's other ways to live we don't have to live just by these two ideals there's alternate perspectives to the world yeah yeah i mean you talk about like we talk about like again back to politics left and right modern politics what have we tried we've tried capitalism democracy capitalism slash democracy we'll put them in one thing even though they're not but and we've tried communism in so we've tried two systems of government there are there aren't more <laughs> and people are people are upset because it changes things right things it's like we don't want things to change we want things to be just like they are everybody everybody's that way for the most part it's like oh but and the, but the thing is is that change is going to happen period it can't not happen change is going to happen all the time and but the, the the other 
thing is, is that change can't be forced. You can't force it to happen. You force it to happen and then it's going to want to change back to the way it was, or, or it's just going to, you can't, you can't force it. You can't make it happen because again, I mean, there's so many people, people want to tear down the system nowadays. Okay, great. Tear down the system. What's your, what are you going to put in its place? What are you going to put in its place? Nobody, this, this is my issue with conspiracy theories in, in general, because it's like, okay, great. So there's these things going on in the world that are horrific and terrible, or there's people trying to control us, all this blah, 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 blah. All right. So you learn about all these conspiracy theories. You learn that the world is not the way that you thought it was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now what? Okay. So you know the truth. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> I hear people talking about this all the time. It's like I hear people ranting and raving about, uh, about the whole COVID-19 pandemic and, and, you know, real, let's just say real or not, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, regardless of what's true, what isn't, etc., you're still you at the end of the day. And if you haven't dealt with yourself and your own crap, you can have the world perfectly sorted exactly the way you want. You can have the system of government that you want. You can have all the lies exposed. You can have uh, everybody fed and clothed and, and happy. And at the end of the day, you still got to go home and you still got to be alone with yourself at the end of each and every day. And this is why I do what I do on this channel. This is why I encourage people to be their own hero, be their own heroine. Program your own ego from inside of yourself. Because how else, how else will you change the world? You can, you can change, let's just say you can change the world without changing yourself. And then you, like I said, you still got to go home at the end of the day. You're, you're still you. And if you think you suck now, you're going to suck even more when the world is perfect all around you. <laughs> you still got to deal with yourself, period. So if you deal with yourself first, and then you start to understand that the world is going to change no matter what you do. The world's going to change whether you want it to change or not. The world is also going to change a hell of a lot slower than you want it to if you do want it to change. It's going to be very slow because the world changes by minute degrees as each generation comes up. So all the old white guys, all the old white guys that are out there ruling the world right now, they'll all be dead eventually. They're all going to be dead one of these days. And who's going to have their money and whatnot then? Well, it's going to be the millennials and Gen Z and the upcoming generations after them that's going to have all their wealth and whatever. I mean, the wealth is all made up anyway, so <laughs> we decide what's of value and what's not. So the world is going to change whether you want it to or not. 
The question is, how flexible are you? How multidimensional are you? Are you able to shift and change with it? Are you able to accept it as it is? All the horrors and all the wonders together in one. We're the glory and the scum, as Delane puts it. Okay, well, that's about all I've got for that. Uh, I haven't seen any comments pop up, but that's okay. All right, Christine's not here to keep me yakking, so. Um, otherwise, yeah, otherwise that would have turned into a pretty fascinating conversation. So if anybody wants to pipe in now before I end, uh, and keep this going. That's great. If not, uh, I'll sign off in a few minutes here and be done with that. But yeah, that's my that's my yak on uh, on ego, my dual ego hypothesis, and uh, a little bit on archetypes in general. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully that uh, at least roughly makes sense. I know it's not, uh, like I said, my, my thoughts are, are not exactly the same and it's not that I'm right or wrong for that matter. I do agree with, uh, like I said, when, uh, uh, Alan Watts always said that ego doesn't exist. And I, and I agree with that because it doesn't exist. It's not a thing that you can put your hands on. It's not tangible. Archetypes don't exist their concepts, their ideas, their, their emotions, their, uh, personality traits, all of that kind of stuff. That's what they are. They, they, and we, that's why they show up in, but they show up in art. They show up in movies. They show up in books as, uh, manifestations. They manifest as characters is what happens. And, but no, these things don't exist per se. And like I said, Eckhart Tolle says, says that ego should go away, for instance. I, I know there's other teachers. I just, I'm picking on him because he's the only one I've actually heard say it, uh, that he believes that ego will go away. Um, and I think that's a bad idea, like I said, because I think there's a lot of people running around today that don't have an ego and they're a bloody mess because they have no they have no way of filtering all the and the information is is uh is exponentially increasing right information is out of this world <laughs> like <laughs> like we can't even we we can't even take in the a fraction of a percent of all the information that's out there right now we we just can't and so how are you supposed to process any of that if you don't have the ability <laughs> to take it in, filter it properly, and then instead of spitting it all back out as facts or whatever, uh, you, you also have to be able to process it within you and filter it as it comes out. <sighs> like it's, so yeah, like all your feelings and all your 
mental instabilities, they have to be filtered coming out of you as well. So you don't have an ego. None of it gets filtered going in. None of it gets filtered coming out. So it's, so no, we have to have an ego, but we have to build it ourselves. And like I said, this is what I see in most movies and, and especially a lot of uh, series now that I'm watching. Uh, like I said, She-Ra, Seven Deadly Sins, Kipo, uh, those those three specifically that I talk about. Uh, One Punch Man, too. One Punch Man is interesting in Hero's Journey terms um, because it's it's actually only a return journey. So one of these days I'll get into that. Uh, Japanese animation does does follow Hero's Journey. It just does it a little bit differently. A little bit. A little bit. It varies. And probably there's some stuff lost in translation, too, for that matter, when translating from Japanese to English. So there's some always some cultural things there that we, that as Westerners, we don't necessarily understand. Uh, what was, oh, I was just going to go back to Man of Steel briefly, too, because... Uh, because yes, that movie is entirely about building one's own ego, building your secret identity, building your secret identities, building your ego. That's building your ego internally and not letting that survival ego, your father control you and not letting your duty ego, your mentor, your countrymen, your, uh, whoever else, not letting that control you either. So then you build your secret identity. I have this amazing, uh, I have this idea for a video for Man of Steel and I can't get it out. It's like this big epic thing in my head and I can't, I can't get it written or produced the way that I, that I see it properly. Again, it's like, I'm not able to express, I'm not able to properly express the way a lot of these things make me feel when I watch them. And that's the thing. It's turning emotion into words and then those words back into something creative. And I just have a very hard time doing that with that particular one. Anyway, I'm going to end it here as, uh, it seemed like there was a, it seemed like there was a couple people watching there for a while, but seems to have signed off now. So I am going to sign off as well. I've yacked enough. Uh, my mouth is dry. <laughs> And I'll see you on Tuesday evening, uh, where we're going to talk about various heroes' journey models and heroes' journey models. I'm starting to consider them just one thing. It's not hero and heroes' journeys. It's just journeys. <laughs> They're all one, ultimately. All right. Thank you for watching. Bye now.